There is an event that happens pretty frequently all over the place this time of year. And in the midst of this event, there is like pure, just exuberant joy. And there is also awkward, self-conscious torture. And what event am I talking about? That's right, the grade school Christmas program. Now, why do I say that? And I will say, we've taken steps here at Sacred Heart to try to alleviate some of this, but especially when I was growing up, I remember the pattern of our grade school Christmas program was from preschool to eighth grade. Every class would be brought out, we'd be lined up, we would sing three Christmas hits, and then we'd be on our way. And from about preschool to fourth or fifth grade, depending on the class, It was wonderful. I mean, it's the most wonderful time of the year, as we know, and it's just they're so excited to sing to you about the child in the manger, the fact that Santa Claus is on his way to their chimney, and they're going to let you know everything about it, and it's wonderful, and they're so excited. In fact, I remember when I was growing up, my mom would lament that once the younger grades were done, they wouldn't let us leave because you had to stay for the torturous moment when something has changed, something has happened, and here come the eighth graders. And I would just say that there is probably nothing harder to sit through than a bunch of eighth graders, especially boys, who do not want to be there and are being forced to sing Frosty the Snowman. And like, they just don't even want to open their mouths and they're having to sing in front of both their grandparents and their classmates all at the same time. And like I said, it is just pure awkward torture. And that was the way. It was like, you can't leave until the eighth graders are done. And my mom never liked that. And that's my memory of growing up and singing as a child. Now, why do I bring up that event today? Because I think what we kind of have in these, especially the first and the last reading is sort of like that event. You look at the first reading from Genesis, we're into chapter three. This is the immediate aftermath of the fall of our first parents. And it's almost like what happens to those middle school students, right? All of a sudden, Adam and Eve, who, just a few verses before, I mean, we're only in chapter three of the first book of the Bible here, folks. You know, like just a little bit before, they were in the garden, enjoying all of the majesty of God's creation around them, walking freely, enjoying a free and beautiful and open and peaceful relationship with one another and with God himself. I mean, there they are quite literally in the garden. But today, we see the immediate aftermath of the effects of what happened when they turned their back on God, when that original sin has entered in and that peace and trust and wonderful relationship has been shattered. And in fact, I think we get one of the saddest lines in all of sacred scripture on the lines of our Heavenly Father in the the first reading today. Simple, but sad all the same time where are you? And when you think about that, I mean, he's omniscient. It's God. He knows where they are, but something has changed, right? They who were able to walk freely with God in the garden now, he, and notice it's God who's calling out to them, where are you? Now, things have changed. All of a sudden, they're awkward. They're self-conscious. I heard you in the garden. I hid myself. I was naked. There's accusatory language. They're, they're upset. They don't know exactly what to do. They're self-conscious. They don't have the same kind of peace that they had from the beginning. That relationship is broken down, and you have, like I said, self-awkward, self-conscious torture. 
But thanks be to God, from the very beginning, God had a plan, knew what he was going to do. We even get the proto-evangelium, that beginning announcement of what's coming and the fact that the woman will crush the head of the serpent. We begin to see that happening today in the results of what we celebrate today, the Immaculate Conception in this beautiful gospel of the Annunciation. Notice with Mary. When the angel Gabriel comes to her to announce this amazing, incredible plan that she will be the mother of God, no more is there the hiding of self. No more is there this, you know, kind of passing off blame and looking to get away. Rather, we have this incredible, beautiful line at the end of the gospel that we say every time we pray the Angelus. When Mary is asked to be the mother of God, what does she say? Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. No more self-conscious awkwardness, no more distrust of our loving Father. Rather now, there is this openness, complete openness to trust in the love of God who's loving us into existence at this very moment. God has made that move and has preserved Mary from that sin that caused the division between God and our first parents. God has acted. This is why today is a solemnity. It's that move that begins the awesome events of our salvation. Our blessed mother being kept free from the effects of that first sin. That's why we dress up so nicely. That's why we take time off work. That's why we celebrate the white dawn announcing the coming of our salvation. Because, because of Mary's yes, Because of God's gift of keeping her free from original sin, we can now celebrate the fact that we're no longer condemned to an ongoing life of awkward, self-conscious self-torture, like a bunch of eighth graders in front of a critical world. Now, we have the hope of forever singing with complete abandon, like young kids in a Christmas program, with absolute joy knowing that God is in love with us, that we are in love with him, that we know him and are known by him. And the great news, too, is that when you think about any of God's gifts, when he pours out his grace upon us, his gifts are not just for the gift recipient all by themselves, right? That as God pours out his love, and when that love is shared, it just continues to grow. When you think about Mary, who's given this prevenient grace, as I'll say in the preface in a few minutes, of the immaculate conception, of being free from that sin, notice what happens. God is able to enter in through that. The Son of God becomes one of us. He is Emmanuel, and that's why we sing rejoice, rejoice in the beginning of this Mass. Because with that love, God comes into this with us. That all of a sudden, because Mary's been given this gift, we're all gifted more and more. And we ask her for the help to be more and more like her, to be able to shed that sin more and more, that which divides us from God and from one another, so that we don't continue on, as I said, in awkward self-consciousness, but more and more participate in that pure, exuberant joy that we hear from little kids singing, and even more so as we hear Mary say, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. My brothers and sisters in Christ, today, is such an important day in the history of our salvation. Today is the day that God 
begins more and more that process of setting right what once went wrong, of healing that division that we had in that first sin. And by Mary's gift of the Immaculate Conception, we are all gifted to move beyond sin and death into that eternal life and love and peace that our Lord gives us on offer. Let's ask our Blessed Mother for that grace to continue to move away from our sins, to repent, to know that God loves us, to move away from the lie of the serpent, that he does not have our best interest in mind, to know that God is present and wants us to be singing with joy with him forever. Praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever.